This is Album Worms. It's like a book club, but for albums. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And on this episode, we will be discussing Radiohead's album, In Rainbows. Let's get started. Welcome to Album Worms. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Album Worms. Good to be back with you, Chris, as always. Yes, I always enjoy these. Yeah, I'm excited for this album for sure. All right, and before we jump into it, please take a moment and go ahead and hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform and also follow us on Instagram at Album Worms. Well, we have another great album to discuss this week, Radiohead and their record in Rainbows. Excited for this one, Chris. Oh yeah, one of my favorites. Yes, I, I think this might be my favorite Radiohead album, and I have a lot to say about it. So Yep, definitely my, my <laughs> second favorite, so I'm right there with uh, you. Well, we have a great guest to talk about this record with. Uh, welcome, Matt. Burnett. Great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. kind of burning up the fact that we need to do a Radiohead album and being willing to come on the show. <laughs> yeah. I'm always happy to talk to you about Radiohead. Probably too much. My uh, my wife is probably thrilled that I get that I'm talking to anyone other than her <laughs> about music right now. So it's great to be here. Well, we almost did OK Computer. So. Ooh. I mean, do you do you have anything to say about OK Computer before we talk about In Rainbows? OK Computer for me is like, you know, it's personal because I feel like uh, I liked Radiohead when the Benz came out, and I obviously got into it later, and, you know, everybody knew Creep, but, but I think OK Computer was what really got me into Radiohead, and I think for me it was definitely a coming-of-age time. I, like, did a lot of first traveling, going off to college, listening to that, and... It just holds a, yeah, it's a magical place. For me, that's yeah. that's my favorite, just at some of its nostalgia. Yep. But, you know, yeah, it's uh, that's another one for another time. But I love that album, too. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to argue with OK no, Computer I mean, being your favorite no, radio no, album. not at all. OK Computer, for me, it was Kid A. Kid yep, A yes. is what got yeah. me into Radiohead. But uh, I love them all. Honestly, um, well, a little fun fact. I, I know Matt, Chris, you probably don't know that or you haven't met in person, but I actually do know that you are both in the same place at the same time nearly six years ago to the day. Where was this? At Duke's first birthday. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> and, as Duke's birthday tomorrow, so shout out to my son. He's turning seven, and both of you were at his first birthday uh, before Chris moved to Colorado, but I don't think you all interacted, so you probably didn't meet at that, at that me- or maybe you did, and it was just six years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I had a uh, just barely older than one-year-old. Right. <laughs> Two, so probably running around <laughs> after him. Yeah, I am terrible with faces and names honestly i'm sure we we talked i'm I'm sure i'm sure we did yeah you know and we're finally getting back around to it six years later so here we go talking about music so (laughs) yep the the great thing i mean i think guys have a hard time about staying in touch or getting together but music's a common language that gives us a reason to talk with old friends and meet new friends and just good times all around absolutely if, if it's not movie quotes it's it's albums <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah definitely let's jump into this album as we said there's there's a lot to cover so i i want to make sure we don't have a two-hour podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right well i have a clip for us to start things off this is from radiohead's album in rainbows this is a first song off that record this is 15 steps Oh, 
right. This album never gets old for me. Nope. Well, I got some album details for us, so feel free to jump in here, uh, and then we'll get into our questions for the day. This album was released on October 10th, 2007, and it was released on Radiohead's website as a pay-what-you-want download, the first of its kind. And we'll get into that a little bit in our questions, but this is also Radiohead's seventh studio album and their first from parting ways from EMI and establishing themselves as the biggest independent artist. A very kind of noteworthy moment in music history for sure. So this album, as I pointed out on our first bullet point, was released on their website and they moved over a million downloads on their first day of its release on their website. And that year, it ranked as the number one record in Billboard, Mojo, and Pop Matters. It was ranked third by NME and fourth by Pitchfork and sixth by Rolling Stone and Spin. So pretty much on everybody's top 10 that year. Oh, yeah. With this being released online, and you could pay whatever you want, the following year they did a physical release. So in 2008, this was the biggest selling vinyl album of the year. Really? Which is pretty that's, pretty phenomenal yeah. to still sell albums, even yeah, when they're given away thing. for free. Yeah. In 2007, they earned the... Actually, I think it might have been 2008. They earned the Grammy for Best Alternative Music Album. And they also won a Grammy for Best Boxed or Special Limited Edition Package. So after they did like that whole pay what you want, they came out with a $40 huge package and they came out with the second disc and it held all types of goodies to incentivize people to spend more money on Radiohead. So they got a Grammy for that. Oh yeah, Stanley Donwood getting his yes. his uh his yeah. Grammy after all that time with all the artwork. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Who knew that there was a Grammy? I mean, they make a Grammy, I feel like, for everything. Pretty much. Who knew there was a <laughs> yeah. Grammy for best box or special limited edition? That, yeah, that definitely that's... doesn't get tev- televised. Yeah. yeah, that's the pre-show for sure. <laughs> yeah, that might that, be the yeah. first award given. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? If, if anybody should have gotten that, I mean, that's the, you know, that they are so committed to their artwork and the, that it's been mostly the same guy with yes. Tom York that, like, every single time, you know? Oh yeah, it's, yep. there's there's definitely a, an aesthetic, but it's so but it's different every time, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's kind of just another thing that makes Radiohead Radiohead. Oh yeah, you know, like you expect cool artwork, you mm-hmm. know. At least I do. Every time they put out a record, I'm like, ooh, what's it gonna look like? Yep. Yeah, it's not Absolutely. phoned in. There's always something to it. Yeah. So, well, in addition to those Grammys. Rolling Stone also placed In Rainbows on their 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list at number 336. And in 2019, Radiohead was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So it's actually somewhat surprising. I feel like Radiohead's been around forever. I can't believe it was just last year that they were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's that's pretty interesting. So I got some trivia for you now. Do you, either of you know how Radiohead got their name? Yes. Yes. All <laughs> so, right, let's hear it, Matt. Uh, so it's the name of a uh, Talking head song. Yep. And, uh, and their name before that was On a Friday because they Correct. practiced on Fridays. Yep. <laughs> I love that. That is both true. Yeah, the <laughs> Talking Head song is off of their album, um, True Stories, that was released in 1986, which is right around when they started playing together. So they all started playing together in high school. And yeah, they started, like you mentioned, Matt, they were called on a Friday because they would only practice on Fridays. <laughs> and then... They started getting recognized, and they said, yeah, this name's got to go. <laughs> so they 
ditched the name and replaced it with Radiohead, which the song title is actually two words, but they combined it into one word. I don't know. I'm sure there's a story behind that somewhere, but I don't know it. Maybe it looked better on a sticker or something. Probably. <laughs> it do, it does. If you look at it like spaced out, it, it definitely looks better as one word. They made the right choice. Yeah. And a couple other, I think, interesting tidbits uh, before we get into our questions. Chris Hufford, who is kind of famously known as the producer of Slow Drive, the famous shoegaze band, so was good. really the person that discovered Radiohead and gave them their big break. That's cool. And definitely kind of mentioned Nigel Godrich, who is Radiohead's famous producer, and he was actually the first time he worked with the band was as an engineer on the bends, and then he transitioned to be the full-time producer on OK Computer, and the rest is history. He's pretty much, I think he has produced every single Radiohead album since then. I think for this record, actually, they started experimenting with a different producer, and apparently they didn't like what was happening and went right back to Nigel. Yeah, wasn't it like like a guy that had worked with Bjork and and yeah. some other people like that? I think something something like that. Yeah, I I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, now no no looking back, I don't think they're ever gonna second guess that choice again. Yeah, he's definitely like the sixth member of the band. Yeah, and then Stanley Donwood's like the seventh. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Any anything else from you all? Should we get into our questions? Let's get into the questions. Let's get into it. All right. To some people, Radiohead is practically a religious experience. What do you think it is about this band that gives people that reaction? I, I mean, I feel like, you know, when you listen to that band, they're just so vast, you know, like, that first record they put out, you know, who would have thought they would have become the band that they did, you know, using pedals and very synthy, very electronic. Right. And I think then you go see them at a live show, and they probably put one of the best live shows on. And, you know, just the level of work that they've put out, for me, it's, i tell you the first time, you know, I was watching them. It's just crazy. They're so energetic on the stage, and just everything about the band, musically, live, is just so good that it it just makes you feel different when you're listening to it. Or and, you know, at least that's for me. And uh, I could see where it could be a religious experience for some. Absolutely, I think what you were saying in terms of like the richness and it's it's the music is. Uh, can transport you i think it's it's mm-hmm. cinematic a lot of times and mm-hmm. you know I, there was a time especially when i was younger when i you know i was a every single radiohead song kind of got you know b-sides everything and i yeah. and <laughs> i don't love every song but there wasn't a single song that i didn't like and i think that was always something for me that like i i think there's layers to it i think i heard them one time saying that they they kind of think of themselves more of like a jazz band even though they don't oh, yeah. play jazz, but just that the layers to it and the complexity and playing off of one another. And I agree with the live show. It's just like, it's not just a regurgitation, but it's still satisfying. You know, they're not just playing to entertain themselves, but uh, yeah, I think you can, it feels authentic. And, you know, on the variations that like uh, th- from, from, uh, Pablo Honey to Kid A, it's like, woof, and then oh. beyond, like, yeah. so so different, <laughs> so different, yes. yeah. and the influences, you know, were there too, right, on, on Kid A, it's like definitely Aphex Twin and stuff, and Tom York was pretty open about how much he was influenced, you know, by that stuff, but, but it also, like, I don't know, it's not just like co-opting music and and feeling like making a popular version, so to speak. They're they've they're certainly a very popular band in the grand scheme of things. They've sold millions and millions of albums, but they're not. Uh, there's just complexity, layers to it. I always love the fact yeah. that there's just. Uh, the more I go back and listen intently, I hear things even years later that I'd never heard before. Yes. Yep. yep. 
I even heard this is referred to as Radiohead doesn't just have fans, they have disciples. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, and, <laughs> that um, sounds right. So, I mean, when I think of Radiohead and explaining it to friends or... I kind of think of it in a very similar way that I explain Wes Anderson. Like there's either people that just get it or they don't. And usually for the people that don't get it at all, I say, it's okay. It's primarily for smart people. (laughs) 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 But I I think both of what you're saying is like spot on the layers and complexity to it, their willingness to experiment they're willing to tear things down do things completely different as you've seen through their progress of albums of going to really successful through an okay computer and then going to kid a and doing something completely different and also willing to bring stuff back they've brought stuff songs back I, there's a song on this record nude that was written in okay computer time yep. and they brought it back in for this record and then I think there's also this element of family as well, because these people have been playing together for so long. They haven't switched out members like so many other bands. They're all the original members. And not only that, but they got Nigel, they got Stanley Donwood, who does all their artwork. All their texts are pretty much the same when they go on the road. It, like once you're in the Radiohead family, you are locked in for a long time, and you don't. I think that's special. Uh, you don't see that in the music industry, really. Yeah, and not to stereotype because not everybody, not every British band, certainly not like Oasis or anybody else is like that. But they're like, they they don't. It, they haven't seemed to have this like off the wall crazy lifestyle. Like they have. Some of them, you know, wives and kids and stuff, and it seems like when they're not in the band, they're just living a quiet life, which it's not like you have to do that. But I, I've heard uh, stories from others, and I do have a, a friend whose father was in a, I don't know, Tokyo or something like that, and bumped into this guy in the lobby of their hotel, and they were just chatting it up and talking about what was, you know, they were doing there and just seeing the city and how different it was and. And then he said, yeah, what are you? Oh, I, I'm a musician, whatever. And it was Ed O'Brien. And oh, like, wow. it was just, you know, yeah. but totally unassuming. Not like, you know, I, many things special. It's just kind of cool. You like to hear that because, you know, your, your heroes can let you down. Yeah. Yep. And, and for primarily my mom, who's probably going to be listening to that, Ed O'Brien is a guitar player in Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to speak to that too is like yeah. in, in in terms of the the musicality and stuff yeah two of the guys are brothers but like yep. you know ed, yeah. ed o'brien is like a good singer and he's had some mm-hmm. solo stuff that's really not bad you know and so have, a lot of them had some solo things but meaning like he's a guy that plays rhythm but like and other instruments but also sings backup and stuff but like talented guy on his own and probably could have fronted another band you know but is uh, they all just kind of are happy to do their their part, which is cool. Yeah, I think that kind of goes into why they've lasted is because they do go off. And Tom York, the lead singer, has come out with several solo projects and gone on and taken on Spotify and speak publicly about how much he hates them and stuff like that. And then... (laughs) And then same with other members that I know, uh, Philip Selway, I think he does some solo work or even does some orchestra arrangements and stuff like that. So they all kind of do their own thing. And then when it's time, they are cool and they come back together. And I think also to your point of they don't live this crazy lifestyle, I don't know if that has anything to do with, I know several of the members, especially Tom York, have had health issues their whole life. Mm-hmm. And from very early age, I mean, that goes into why Tom York has that kind of lazy eye of having that many procedures as a kid, and which I don't know if you all know this, but Tom York is only like 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> yeah, he's a little dude. Yep, short. Uh, this is the part that you might may or may not know. His dad was a professional boxer. Huh. That I did not know. 
Yeah. Really interesting. So uh, that lifestyle did not take on for for Tom at all. (laughs) I'm kind of glad we got this, Tom, honestly. Yeah. This is a total sidetrack, but did you guys ever know, did you guys know that Tom York has a brother named Andy York who had a band called Unbelievable Truth? No. No. Yeah. I I really enjoy them. Not, you know, Radiohead-esque, maybe early stuff, but much more like atmospheric and, and... um, the lighter side of Coldplay sort of stuff, very just sort of eh, it, guitar, you know, uh, lighter guitar. But uh, yeah, no, they were good. And then I think he he ended up ending the band to like go study Russian literature or something like that. So, but <laughs> that hits me. All the I, that's another thing they brought on a Friday when they were play, on fr- a Friday they all kind of broke uh, or took time apart from each other because they all graduated from university. Yeah. So they're all pretty educated. And I think that comes through in the music too. And, and while we're on this kind of sidebar side project stuff, did you know that Nigel, their producer has a band too? Uh, no. What is his band? Ultra Ista. I highly recommend as it. very, it's like, I would say if you combine Tom York's solo stuff with Portishead, oh, that's yeah. kind of what Ooh. that's kind of what that sounds cool. like. That to me. sounds fun. I like yeah. Portishead. They yeah, just came too. out with a record this year, so I recommend. That's another record that we might have to do, Chris. Definitely. Nigel, Nigel Godrich has done. Uh, I've liked his stuff that he's done with Beck. You know, yeah. the, it's kind of like the when when Beck would kind of do like a funky like party album or rock album and then a like introspective one it was like always with nigel godrich (laughs) nice cool yeah i mean to close out this question too i think with everything all that we've already discussed is you just can keep going it's like there's easter eggs and there's a so much it's not only just like the layers of the music but it's also like the layers of their lyrics of their history of their art it just keeps going and going and going so it ends up just being this whole art collective that you can be consumed by and there are plenty of people that are consumed by this there's plenty of fan sites there's you have either of you seen the citizen insane site no citizen no citizen Uh -uh. insane yeah you, you have to check this guy he has this blog or I don't know even what you or database and he's like recorded every little bit of Radiohead history. He has screen grabs of whiteboards of showing like this is the first time this song title has appeared and it showed up later on this record and it's, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a German site, right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It's insane. I'm totally I yeah, I have seen cool. that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Which is such a like beauty of the internet. Right? Yeah. I remember I remember looking at Radiohead fan sites back in like, you know, the end of the 90s and early 2000s and it was, you know, made on what was that Microsoft uh what was that web design thing that used to come with Office front page or something oh, like that. Yeah. Anyway, right. anyway, you know, just oh, God, animated that's a flashback dancing <laughs> dancing <laughs> under construction signs and stuff like that, but yeah, it's it's come a long way. Incredible to have that much depth. I I what you said is like you can you can dive deep for sure you can go oh, yeah. way underwater on this yeah, yeah i found a really good site called the king of gear mm. and it's not just for radiohead but like it goes from the very beginning of the band and talks about like each album and what effects they used on each oh, album oh yeah wow and it goes through like even live shows like major live shows what pedals they used for their live shows, guitars. like It's pretty cool. It's wow. really cool. And especially with a band like Radiohead to be able to go through and just nerd out about that stuff. Well, I mean, I guess you got to be into that stuff to nerd out about it. But... Dude, that is a cover band's dream. Yeah, thekingofgear.com. <laughs> yeah. Let's give them a shout-out. I've been oh, on that man. a lot lately. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that... The answer is the question pretty good right there, Chris. These are people that are, they take it seriously. 
and I think we've talked about on some of the other records, especially when you think of someone like Elliot Smith, I think that's another artist that people like go very in depth about, but Radiohead is right on up there. And I think there's some insane documentation and Radiohead is all for it. They, they participate sometimes and, and, that their connection to their fans is what they feel is really important, which I think leads into our next question. So how do you think the way this album was released impacted the music industry? I think it was pretty significant. Um, you know, I think it was definitely a, a shifting point. You know, it caused a lot of discussion that, that ended up moving the needle. It's funny. In, in some ways, there was pushback, you know, from... Mm-hmm. other bands that were like you know well of course you can do that you guys are millionaires we can't do this yeah right yeah. and and that's yeah. you know fair right and in some ways they were, they were kind of like being metallica with napster but in a maybe a more positive way but like um i think it made people talk about distribution and the cost of albums and the quality of albums i think around you know similar time that's when uh, I think it was the White Stripes, you know, made one of their major label albums for $10,000. And it was like, <laughs> you know, just, just showing the kind of the absurdity. But I think from this standpoint, too, when you were talking about the special releases, too, like they they definitely made more money off of me on this one because I paid for the downloads and I paid for the vinyl, CD, one, disc one and two, special booklet extra, mm. which I would have bought anyway, but, <laughs> you know... <laughs> But the fact that there was, and at that time, I probably would have just ripped the CD to make, you know, an MP3 out of it. But to get it early, I, I totally did. But but I think it was, I feel like that was a changing point. Not that it shifted to everybody doing moving scales, but just more of, you know, okay, this is this is digital distribution. You know, this was, you know, early days of, of the iTunes store and things of that sort and how it shifted to what you were saying now of not loving Spotify, but moving us ironically towards that. Yeah. So how much do you pay for the download? How much did I pay? Yeah. What did you want? What did you want? Oh, what did I pay? You know, I I think I, I think knowing that I was going to pay more later, I I didn't do like a dollar. I think, I think I ended up paying like, I don't know, less than what 99 cents each would have been probably like seven bucks or something like that like yeah, take the take the total total right down the middle <laughs> non-committal price yeah i uh i paid five bucks mm-hmm. they never came out with the exact stats on this but from what research that i was able to do the the best estimate is two out of five people paid for the album and the average price they paid was four pounds. So I don't know how you convert that in that time, what the conversion rate. So probably about four to seven dollars what you what you all paid. You know the funny thing about that time is that was like still like the height of pirating. Right? Yes. It's like it's like so many people were buying and now I mean I think there's you know, way more people are paying for streaming because having a streaming option is way more convenient than the hours of searching for songs right. not that i ever did that but um yeah. <laughs> not that i ever illegally downloaded <laughs> songs but theoretically if you be, were you know, to if i if one were to from what i understand it, <laughs> you know you would get you know you'd get that and then it would be you know some other song or feedback or something like that and you'd be like ah you know spend hours <laughs> yeah. And how much like hard drive space and oh yeah, and the yeah. questionable quality, all of that, you know, the, the big, super super compressed, you know, tinny sounding. So I mean, to talk a little bit about how and why they did this. So they're just getting off with, off of their deal with EMI, and Hail to the Thief, the record before this, leaked. And they were super mad about that leaking. They were not excited about that at all. So they decided, it's like, we're just going to leak our own album. And they released this 10 days after they announced it. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, honestly. 
You know what? I, re- I remember that actually now. It, I hadn't, I had forgotten how, how exciting that was though. Cause normally it would be like, you know, in that time, new album in, you know, four or five months or something like that. It was like new album. What? 10 days. What? Yeah. I, <laughs> I was working exciting. in the music industry at the time. So it was like one of the benefits of getting paid very little was that you could <laughs> talk about music and also download the music at work and yeah. then like question it. <laughs> so I remember that being a big day in the office. Like we all were super pumped and I had just gotten like the whole discography of Radiohead like a little bit before that. And so I was into Radiohead and they were just coming out with this record. So it was, it was pretty a uh, significant day and music and how they, they were doing it. I think Radiohead's, especially Tom York, and he's been pretty outspoken about this, is the artist's connection to their fans and be able to sell music or produce music or just do whatever you're doing or your whole their whole kind of art collective is direct to consumer. That's how he how Tom York and Radiohead kind of envisioned this. And Spotify came in and they're kind of this middle person again, which Tom York wasn't very happy with because they don't get paid as much as when they're doing direct. But I think you have to also think about the consumer as well. Like you're supposed to expect the consumer to have when how many artists do you like? And you're supposed to have like this different selling and different stores for every single artist you like. So I think there is a need for companies like Spotify that make it a little bit more into a business than some of the artists would like. But obviously there's two sides and I think both sides are right. And hopefully they continue to have that conversation. Tom York, his solo stuff wasn't on Spotify, but it was put on there not like last year or two years ago, something like that. So I think he's moved on a little bit. Don't seeing this as a, kind of a necessary evil maybe in his eyes but they've come out with uh have you seen radiohead's public library yeah that's pretty cool yeah that's like their new i don't know what i think that came out earlier this year you know like sign up and they have like b-sides and photographs and live performances and it's all just on their website and you can basically if you sign up for it you can access it and stream it or whatever so that's going back to radiohead's vision basically with this release living to this day is that direct connection to the fans yeah it's the kind of stuff that i'm glad came out now and not when i was in college because i might not have graduated <laughs> yeah yeah <exactly. laughs> like you could just you can go so deep hours and hours i mean just researching and like prepping for this podcast i was spending so much time because it's just like you just go you just keep going there's no end to it yeah you know you were you were as we were saying before like they're they're definitely an artistic band right they're they're not just cranking out songs to you know make another record and tour and make a bunch of money like everything is intentional and they still definitely make albums for the most part and it just reminds me of like tool who also didn't go on spotify you know until very recently and they were very much they never even sold their songs as mp3s and they wanted it to just be albums or just they finally came around to it i think because they realized that they were missing out on a bunch of fans who didn't own a cd player and uh never had owned a cd player <laughs> but this idea of you know it it's a it's an interesting time cuz they're you know like you said this is a band that formed in the like late 80s like it's that is a different time to to evolve through and they've evolved a lot but you know it's 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 impressive that they still make music that people are pulled to in terms of wanting to listen to an a whole album when everything else is just mostly singles now yeah Absolutely. All right. Anything to add? Should we go to our next question? Let's do it. Do you think Radiohead not having a record label at the time of this release impacted the music they put on this record? Definitely. I think for me, you know, kind of reading about it, they seem to have just more freedom to Mm -hmm. kind of 
explore and not feel bound by a record label. You know, we kind of just... Each person kind of found a fit on this record. You know, the drumming, the guitar parts, the piano parts, you know, they just, they really got to express and do something that they wanted to do and not feel worried about, you know, oh, we got to please the record label, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's funny. They, I felt like they were in a place, too, though, where, I mean, they didn't really have a lot of creative limitations before. Like, I don't know that they were going to say what you have to do, but I totally imagine that they, it was nice to not have any limitations, right? Real or imagined. Yeah. That to yeah, just right. to go back. I mean, they had made it pretty clear by that point that they were never going back to the Benz, even though mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people wanted. You know, right. they, they thought, oh, okay, computer, sure, you get your little experimental stuff, but like, <laughs> come back to the hooks, right? Yeah. And uh, and Kid A was the nope, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. and it just <laughs> and it just kept going from there. But but yeah, I mean that that limitation is like. And and to be at that point too, to they were still they were still relevant. They are still relevant, but I mean, like they were not past their prime per se. Like you said, that you know, I think Hell to the Thief had still done pretty well, uh, relatively speaking. And to be able to have that freedom was probably pretty cool, as opposed to you know someone reaching it like when they're you know well past their prime when you know nobody really cares much anymore like i think the whole pay what you want structure you kind of think of oh they threw together an album real fast just to test this gimmick out and they came out with one of their i mean it's hard to rank albums within radiohead i think it's hard to rank albums no matter what the artist is sometimes but this is one of the best records of the year and they did it through this new kind of innovative thought process. And they couldn't have done that if they were on a record label. I think that's probably the biggest difference. And I think they just had some fun with it. And what I think there was less restrictions, more possibilities. And this is something that, if you haven't heard of this, this, this blew my mind. So this gonna blow, have you heard of the Theory of Ten? No, go on. So apparently there's this theory of 10 with this record. So it is somewhat, there's some type of connection to OK Computer. And there's actually some, I think some of the working titles for both of those records kind of match up. And apparently like if you put make build a playlist and do a song from OK Computer and Rainbow's OK Computers, it like all meshes like perfectly. Oh, I think... I think they made yeah. a I think Spotify made a playlist of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they did. So that that's part of it, but then so this is 10 years after OK Computer came out. It was released on the 10th month, on the 10th day, and 10 days after it was announced, and there are 10 letters in the title in rainbows. Hmm. That's cool. And also an OK yeah. computer, huh? Yeah. I'm gonna have to research this. Yeah, now now I'm definitely going back and listening to it. I remember I did that once before, and I've totally forgotten about it until now. So thank you, Sean. As we were talking about our earlier questions, you just keep going and going and going with this band, and they they embed these little Easter eggs for fans to find out not only in the music but in the album titles of when the day was released and all these weird things. But I think go, the connection to OK Computer to me is also when they figured out that electronics could coexist with guitars. And then mm-hmm. that, I think, also changed the genre of rock. I mean, that they were one of the first artists to ever do that. And now you hear it all the time. Yeah, not just as like a, you know, rap rock song or a or right. a uh, a synth yeah definitely which this transitions into our next question too so 
what musically stood out to you. Yeah, why don't you go first, Sean? All right. To me, there's a, a handful of things that stood out to me on this record. I think the best way, if I had to describe it with two words, I would say it's control chaos. <laughs> it just sounds like all these things going on, but it's all synchronized. It all makes sense together. And with OK Computer and Kid A, they kind of paired those electronics together. But really, when you listen to this record, I think 15 steps, I think House of Cards is just guitar, like pedal work potentially, but there's not that much electronic work on here, even though it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. It's just the drumming is and bass work is that good. Oh, it's just, yeah, the rhythm section, those, yeah, that bass parts the bass lines. yeah, yeah god, the they're so crisp and the drums are just so clean the drums are so fast too it sounds like it has to be a drum machine yeah. but if you listen to it it's not except for 15 step is definitely there's a drum machine on that one and not 15 steps too i think is in five four times so there's kind of like an interesting feel to it well they always have such crazy time signatures and stuff too that just you know and there's I, I have not seen them play this album live, but the uh, I always love just in their live shows too that like yeah there'll be like an extra drum kit that somebody's playing or pieces of or something yeah. just to 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 replicate yeah. that feeling that it's not just fill in the back but you know well yeah and 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 that's what's cool you know for me the song everything in its right place. Mm-hmm. They use I was just this, mention that too. Yeah, they use this thing called a chaos pad. And you can see him, usually he's sitting in the front by his mic, messing with this, like, you can watch some live videos of him messing with this pedal. And it's, you know, it's just so cool. Oh, yeah. I, it's They're just so creative. That song, too, that you mentioned... So Tom York's voice sometimes sounds like an instrument. Yeah. And on that Kid A mm-hmm. song, yeah. everything is right place. It was. It was, he like programmed the machine. I, I guess you, you said it's a chaos pad. Yeah. He programmed it. It was all off of that pad. He wasn't singing at all. It was all he programmed it into this. And that reminded me a little bit of the last song on this record, videotapes and how the yeah, voice kind of skip the skipping effects. Yeah, I was trying to find if that was something that he used for that song, but I couldn't find anything on it. On a side note, Kid A, John Mayer does a great cover of that song, which oh. is not what you'd expect. No, not he, at all. It, but, like, yeah, it's, you know, if you're a John Mayer fan or not, it doesn't really matter. It's worth listening to. It's pretty cool that he just turns it into an acoustic, the song Kid A. Into, I have to check that out. That's really cool. And you appreciate the lyrics more, too. Because he's singing them versus, you know, that machine kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah. okay. You can you can understand them more clearly, just casually. But, you know, I'll go back to, like, what I thought about music. I, I, I think this is definitely one of their more energetic albums. And I think what you said, Sean, makes sense of just, like, organized chaos. That even the slow songs on this, like, build. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's just energy. Yep. You know, that yeah. all I need starts out real slow and simple with the piano, but it ends in this just like, just kind of glockenspiel and crashing cymbals yeah. and <laughs> everything and just, that just... Tom York's weird haunting vocals yes. Yeah, that song, like, gosh. Yeah. So there is something that I want to point out. House of Cards, I guess, is apparently inspired by Fleetwood Mac's song Albatross. And that's an instrumental song, so worth going back and checking out if you're if you're interested in that. But the one that drew more of my intrigue was I saw an interview with Tom York done back when he was doing this album, and he said that John Frusciante was a big influence on his guitar playing for this record. Wow, wow, that's uh, a big which thing. John Frusciante is the well, kind of on and off again, guitar player for Red Hot Chili Peppers, and he just rejoined the band. Yeah. I don't know if it was early this year or late last year, but 
he's back in the band, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does again. But his solo stuff is some of my favorite records, and I actually think there's a really close comparison to the song Reckoner and John Frusciante's song Murderers. So I pulled that clip for us to listen to. Do you want the Reckoner first, or do you want John Frusciante's song first? How about Frusciante's? All right, let's go with it that way. So now right ahead and there's on Reckoner. That's cool. You know what's so funny that I had written down too that like the percussion on that song reminds me of Breaking the Girl by Red Hot oh, Chili yeah. Peppers, right? Yeah. That, like yeah. how they were banging on trash cans and stuff. It's like, it just, it totally had that vibe to me. Yeah, if, if you paired that with Murderers, it's almost, you feel like the two of those together, you get Reckoner. It's like yeah. the, the, the birth baby that those two songs gave birth to. Totally. <laughs> That's cool. The other thing that I thought was interesting on this too was the guitar effects on House of Cards. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Johnny Greenwood's work on Creep. And I don't know if you know the like the backstory of that, but Radiohead, very well known, hates that song. They didn't want it to happen. And even like when they were recording it, Johnny Greenwood was trying to mess up the guitar part. He was just like scratching at his guitar. And for whatever reason, it just ended up people really liking it it was like in the era of grunge so it was kind of fit in that era but it almost felt like a i mean to me kind of a little bit callback to that style they were just trying to mess it up they didn't like the song but now it's kind of their sound yeah yeah speaking of creep i think yeah the uh on the bends the song my iron long was supposedly about creep keeping keeping them alive (laughs) yeah man i you know just speaking of music stuff too i just i I love all you mentioned the easter eggs and stuff like that the things that you just listen close on uh back on reckoner i I noticed this thing that at around 33 seconds in so if you're listening you know with headphones in your left ear you're hearing for the most part you know among many other things they have a tambourine and it's mostly Mm -hmm. on the left side and that's that same tambourine the whole time, right? And then at 33 seconds, there's a different tambourine with a different tone that just has one little ch- and then never again. It's like, it's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they like forgot or what, but I'd like, there's something about that that I love. It just, it, it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it's a little, it's a little extra thing. It's a little reward for, for listening closely. It's like the cheering, um, yes. the, the kids cheering on 15 steps. Yep. Apparently, that was supposed to be like a hand clap rhythm that was inspired by a Peach's son. And they were trying to record it from these kids at the Matrix Music School of the Arts Center in Oxford. But apparently, their clapping skills were not up to par. <laughs> so, so they just recorded them cheering, and, that's how, and they made it on the song. That's but great. it still works too. That uh, hey, like it. Uh, well, what I what I like about that too is that like it's not the same thing over and over. Like the kids' parts, they're kind of in the background and then come. It's like it's not predictable. You know, you can't just listen and go, oh yeah, of course this is when they're going to come in again. It's not because I think that you know the time signature certainly has something to that too. Right. You can't really easily count along of like, well, of course this is where you're going to have, you know, a, a, an accompanying child chorus yeah well i mean like you mentioned matt this is sounds like some of them are like more up to be music but lyrically it is not so no it is not (laughs) uh either of you have anything to add on the the music question or should we go to our lyric question next let's hit the lyric question yeah so 
the next question, what lyrically stood out to you? Why don't you go first, Matt? Well, I know that there's the, uh, there are theories of this being, you know, about Faust and, you know, obviously with the, the, the song called Faust Arp and then in, uh, in radio or uh, videotape, it mentions Mephistopheles. Um, that's kind of cool just that that it does you you can see that thread of it going through which is like a german yeah, it's, demon it, for those that don't know yeah yes yes and the whole faust story of like you know not being satisfied with life and so selling your soul for you know earthly riches in exchange for you know going to hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's it's definitely down, which is a, a contrast with the music. It's yeah, not necessarily definitely. feeling depressing in the music. It's only just when you listen to it, it's it's pretty bleak, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and nude is an interesting one because you brought that up, uh, Sean, of of how they've kept other songs around. I remember hearing that song. I had an acoustic MP3 live version, you know, from some performance in the late '90s. That, and it was in the background of Meeting People Is Easy, that old uh, documentary from, you know, around that time too. But it totally fit with the vibe here, you know. Don't don't get any big ideas. They're not going to happen. It's like, oh, all right. Not going to put that on a uh, inspirational poster. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I mean... It, in in the midst of that it is it is a uh it is a juxtaposition with some of these things of feeling musically like not uplifting because it's energetic but like it's uh it it is a it puts you in an, an interesting state to have the thought of of not being able to quite get things right and everything is just a little bit off in all the you know all the lyrics are you know being dead from the neck up and although videotape I don't know, has, I don't know, I feel like it kind of ends on an upbeat, like, sort of, yeah. but but not really. What do you guys think? I, I, I had the same thing. It's, the music's, you know, kind of very misleading. It's very cheery at times, but like you said, the lyrics are very kind of just the exact opposite, and, you know, I kind of think that's a very Radiohead thing to do. You know, <laughs> like, oh, let's make this music cheery, but we'll write some depressing lyrics <laughs> to go with it. <laughs> uh, d- totally Tom York style. Yep. Yeah. F- for me, there's a few things. And one uh, I saw or kind of read that R.E.M., uh, who is kind of... R.E.M. and Radiohead kind of famously gotten along very well together. R.E.M. kind of was, they're like big brother in the music industry, kind of mm-hmm. helped them. They opened for them early on in their career. And I think that's another sweet thing about Radiohead is you see like some bands, that they're beefing each other, but it's like this Radiohead band they're all together and they're playing together and then they have like this sweet little kind of older brother in R.E.M. Tom York said that Michael Stipe of R.E.M. is like his favorite lyricist so obviously that had an influence on his lyrics and he kind of said that In Rainbows is about this panic of realizing you're going to die and then at any time he could just possibly have a heart attack and die so that's kind of like his his headspace of what he was like right how he was writing some of this so i think some of the lyrics like makes a little more sense after knowing that but the the lyric that i love the most on this because it just sums up to me tom york is this one
<laughs> that's my favorite like lyric all the time i have no idea what i'm talking about and i go oh so you don't know what you're talking about either because sometimes you're way out there and i have no idea what you're saying <laughs> or dancing yes. to or what you're what you're doing but uh and obviously that's not like he kind of like brings it back later in the song where he says i have no idea what you're talking about and this whole other thing but just taken out of context i just love that lyric yeah, you know, lyrics are funny that way that like there's some as I'm sure you guys, you know, have talked about on some of your episodes, like you've got some people who like tell stories and it's very yeah. obvious what the lyrics are about. Then there's other ones that are just like very like the lyrics are secondary, you know, it's just like something to carry to to provide a, a reason to sing. But I feel like radioheads are sometimes you know, you can you can analyze them so much and there's totally things there like like with the the tens or the you know the story of Faust or something like that, it's like, it's it's such a that's why you can dive so deep mm-hmm. because at the same time you can read it as, well this is just you know I have no idea what this means and then you can have some read somebody or hear something and be like oh my god it's totally this <laughs> interwoven web of genius that ties all these things together and 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 you never know and I think that's kind of fun. You know, it's not so simple as much as I like, you know, story lyrics and other stuff, too. It's 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 kind of cool because it, it makes it when you go back, you don't really for me, you don't get tired of it because you can reinterpret it. Yeah, absolutely. I was just remembering something from back on the uh, after or, like you were saying, OK, computer time. I remember reading something about uh, Tom York and Michael Stipe being close and the song uh, How to Disappear Completely. Um from from Kid A was apparently based on something Michael Stipe used oh, wow. to say, where if if he was like being overwhelmed, he would just kind of shut down and say, "I'm not here. This is not happening," <laughs> you know. And that, oh, that's man. that's where yeah. that line came from. Yeah, gosh, love it. Well, what about what's your favorite track off of this record? I uh, I, I kind of was struggling with this one because there's a few of my favorite Radiohead songs on this album Mm -hmm. um but for me it was all I need yeah I just from his singing the kind of weird orchestra part or whatever that is keys probably a keyboard but just like how simple and dark the song is I, I don't know. I just find myself usually that's the first song I put on, yeah. or I want to listen off this record. And Tom York's vocals are just so great on that song. God, they're so good. They give me chills. I will cheat and say two, <laughs> and 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 I'll say it this way that like the my my top choice was also all I need, and I'll I'll cheat by saying that like if I have like if I'm just like in the car and just need to turn a song on, you know, so to speak, I'm just going for an errand or something. I would, I would listen to Reckoner. Mm-hmm. I could just, I love the vibe and the bass mm-hmm. and it just like, you know, yeah. um, and I feel like all I need, I have to sit down with headphones on because it just starts so like slow, like you were saying, and then just builds into that wall of sound with the crescendo and it just, yeah, it's such a movement. I'm, I'm right there with you Chris it's just like it's but but if I'm if I'm driving down to the uh you know just to go get gas and back I'm not I'm not gonna appreciate it yeah Yeah, right (laughs) yeah I mean I like I think uh, like both of you said is this is uh this is a hard one because there's so many good songs and to be some of the the runner-ups for me personally, a 15 step body snatchers house of cards are kind of my runner ups. But if I had to choose just one, I would have to go with reckoner. I think that's, that's my jam right there. Yeah. That's a great song. Yeah, it is. It really is. 15 step. I will say like, it was cool when they did that song with the USC marching band at the Grammys. That was, that was pretty cool. How they tied that together, you know? And I think the, the, the dynamics of that and uh, just cool that they got them to do it too. Like it, I just remember thinking like how cool for those kids, like, you know, it, it, 
you know, it's one thing I'm sure it's thrilling to, to play in front of a large crowd at a football stadium or something, but to like be on stage with Radiohead yeah. and have them like in rehearsals guide you through how to recreate their music in a marching band, like, and make it sound like really cool. That, that must have been really neat. As Chris and I know, like, those kids in that band have probably been ridiculed their whole life for wanting to be in a marching band <laughs> than to get yeah. up there on stage. They got the last laugh. Yeah, definitely yeah. did. Which, I mean, that's probably even better for you, Matt, because you, you got your MBA from uh, USC? Yes, yes. So I was, I was even, even more yeah. thrilled. But even if I hadn't gone there, I would have thought it was cool. But, but yeah, that was, that was double. Yeah, double. Cool. I, I mean, I don't, I don't like USC, so I kind of have a hard time. I was like, oh, I guess that's cool. <laughs> I, I, I don't take any offense to that. I, I just I, went there I, for grad school. I don't, yeah, I don't bleed I, it. <laughs> I used to be way more against them now, but now that they have back to a crummy football program i'm okay yeah i'm i'm pretty indifferent but i guess their marching band is is it's unreal one of the best they are fantastic most most college bands are pretty especially at those big schools they're pretty amazing and their field work and everything like that so music is uh great in many different forms including marching bands so it's got a whole thing definitely Well, I think we're at our last question of the day. So we close out, we've been closing out our episodes with the same question, and that is best time and place to listen. For me, it, it has to be with headphones for the most part. Yeah. Um, in the morning, maybe, but more at night, maybe when I'm going to bed, I'll put my headphones on. Uh, that way you get you can really hear all the different things going on in the record. I, I found myself more at night listening to this than anything else. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, middle of the day, it's gonna be real hard to make that work. It just I don't know that the vibes are are hard with like the you know midday sun <laughs> it just feels like a nighttime album with headphones and it's you know there are parts of it that like uh not in my current car but you know if in a car with a really good sound system it could be good for driving at night yeah. maybe on a not not too busy road where you don't have to stop too often yeah. you know that could be really good it'll keep you awake yeah yeah definitely yeah. with you know when the, the things kick in but yep i listened to it I had to pick up my roommate from the airport uh, at like 11 o'clock last night. What did I put on to listen? I put this record on. And where to get to Denver International, you've probably got 15 miles of just pretty much straight highway. And you can just go down. And that's, it was perfect. That's awesome. Of the records that we've done so far... This is probably the record I have the hardest time answering this question to because I listen to this record at all times. Like, I listen, I love this record in headphones because all the details. I love this record on vinyl. I love listening to this in the car. I'll even work out to this album because it's got a nice kind of running pace to it. But if I have to choose, I think I just have to go with tom york's kind of inspired this is so tom york for those that don't know and if they if you don't know you've made it this far in the podcast it's probably worth going and checking out (laughs) uh youtubing (laughs) tom york and him performing live because he's just kind of famous for his kind of erratic dancing Mm -hmm. so to me the best time and place to listen to this is just like in my house or just wherever when you need to do some tom york erratic dancing just to get some energy out <laughs> like this is the record to put on just like just go <laughs> just go nuts that's awesome have you guys and this is totally off topic so you know keep it or not but uh have you guys <laughs> have you guys ever heard of amp live he did a uh, he's a 
DJ who's done some various things and they did a remix of, uh, of this album called Rainy Days Remixes with Charlie Tuna from the uh, Jurassic 5 and Del yeah. Funky Homo Sapien who was on the first Gorillaz album. And it's like it's just totally different. Like it's it's absolutely more like a like a hip hop album, but it's really cool. And you can find it on SoundCloud. But it was uh I remember just at that time being like well and it also shows the like the breadth of the fan base. Yeah. Right? That like, you know, this guy was obviously a big fan of this album and really enjoyed it and turned it into this other thing completely, which was really cool. Absolutely. Well, I think that wraps up our episode. Any closing remarks on any of the questions or things that we didn't talk about you want to mention? No, this was just a lot of fun. This is really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to go back and revisit an album that you like so much. And it's been, God, what, you know, over a decade since this came out. So nice to go back and, and, uh, and analyze it again and get close. So I appreciate you guys inviting me. Oh, this was great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking about this record and bringing up the idea of doing a Radiohead record. I loved every minute of this. Me too. I would say, though, Tom York's solo release, The Racer, that's a top five album for me. That's, that's a one of my all-time favorites obviously like so many radiohead albums are up there for me and this one included but yeah that tom york eraser album if we, if we were doing like an all-time favorites episode, chris we would be discussing that one that'd yeah, be a really cool that, album too yep that's fine by me i love that record well on our next episode we are gonna change up our genre a bit chris yes we and are we are going to be discussing Childish Gambino's record, Awaken My Love. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to switching it up a bit. Once again, thank you again, Matt, for joining us. I really appreciate you being on our little podcast here. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, it was great. Thanks again, you guys. Well, until next time, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And we're Album Worms. Worms.